A podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week is my pick, and we're doing an episode of Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, and their adaptation of The Horla, an 1887 short horror story written by French writer... Guy de Maupassant. Thank you, Joshua. Late in his life, de Maupassant sought solitude. Had a huge fear of death and paranoia of persecution. He tried to commit suicide by cutting his throat and was committed to an asylum where he died in 1893. Guy de Maupassant actually wrote his own epitaph. I have coveted everything and taken pleasure in nothing. A very uplifting guy. His story, The Horla, in a lot of ways reflects himself. The story has been cited as an inspiration for H.P. Lovecraft's own The Call of Cthulhu, which also features an extraterrestrial being who influences minds and who is destined to conquer humanity. The show Mystery in the Air aired on NBC in 1947 as a summer replacement. It ran from July through September of that year and starred Mr. Peter Lorre. The show featured adaptations of classic literature that remained faithful to the original sources. Lorre's work on the show was reviewed as intense, supercharged performances of men tortured and driven by dark impulses. It also featured a strong supporting cast, including Peggy Weber, Agnes Moorhead, and Ben Wright. So now, here is The Horla. From Mystery in the Air, originally broadcast August 21st, 1947. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music. And listen to the voices. Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, presented by Camel Cigarettes. Ladies and gentlemen, there are two kinds of stories. Those you can take to bed with you and they relax you and put your mind at ease. And then, then there's the other kind. And our story tonight is the other kind. I still do not know whether it was the shadow of the madness to which the author himself so tragically succumbed. Or whether there really was a, an evil something that could not be seen or described. Oh, why don't you decide for yourself, uh, I'm simply going to tell you the facts in a case as set forth by Guy de Maupassant in his immortal story, The Horror. Each week at this hour... Peter Lorre brings us the excitement of the great stories of the strange and unusual, of dark and compelling masterpieces culled from the four corners of world literature. Tonight, The Horla by de Maupassant. Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, brought to you by Camel Cigarette. 
1889. Oh, what a lovely day it was. I spent all the morning lying in the grass in front of my house. The house in which I was born and grew up. Oh, it's a wonderful house and I love it. From my windows I can see our great river, the Seine, which flows along the side of my garden, yes. The great wide Seine, which goes to Rouen, Le Havre, and, and is covered by boats passing to and fro. Yes, down to the left lies Rouen, and the whole city dominated by the spire of the cathedral and, and full of bells which sound through the air on fine days, even as far as my home. Oh, <laughs> what a wonderful morning. I was almost sorry when Marie, she's my housemaid, you know, when, when she interrupted me. Your luncheon is ready, monsieur. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> thank you, Marie, but... You know, it seems a pity to go in a house. Say, do you like it here, Marie? Oh, yes, sir. I like it very much. Yeah. I love to watch the boats go by on the Seine. Well, you do, huh? So do I. See that one? That big schooner, and, and it's being pulled back. Look, what a little tug. Oh, look, it's no bigger oh, than a fly. Isn't it beautiful? Mm. So clean and white and yes, shiny. And all white, yes. And she's a three-master, you know. Brazilian, I think. Yes, I... Yes, I can see the flag. It is Brazilian. Oh, she's had a long journey from South America to pass my house. You love this place very much, don't you, monsieur? <laughs> yes, Maria. I love it. I can feel those deep roots which attach a man to the soil on, on which his ancestors were born and died and, and to the villages, yes, to, to, to the atmosphere itself. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, do you, Marie? No, sir. No. But I do know that if you don't come into the house soon, your luncheon will be cold. All right, all right, Marie, I'll come in. I've had a slight feverish attack the last few days, and I feel low-spirited and ill. I, I have continually a horrible feeling of, of impending danger, an apprehension of, of some coming misfortune or, or of approaching death. Uh, I've never experienced anything like this before. If it continues, I, I think I'll have to see my doctor. Look, I've told you, your pulse is rapid and your eyes yes, are slightly yeah. dilated. Otherwise, you're in splendid condition. But, Doctor, then then why is it when evening comes on, a, a feeling of oppression seizes me, just, just as if night concealed something horrible? Why is that? Probably just a slight attack of indigestion. Yes, yes, indigestion. Yesterday, when I was walking in a forest of Rumor, why did it suddenly seem to me that I was being followed and, and that someone was walking at my heels close, quite close to me? He was near enough to touch me, and yet, yet when I turned around, I saw nothing. Nothing behind me but the path between the tall trees. Horribly empty. Uh, can you explain that by indigestion, can you, huh? Well, here's a bromide. Mm. If you'll take it in several cold showers daily, I'm sure your fears will vanish. Yes, I'm and sure. And you'll be able to sleep without any further trouble. All right, Doctor. Thank you very much.
Who is there? It's I, Marie. Oh, oh, just a moment, just a moment. Yes? Are you all right? What You're is it, You're screaming Marie? and calling out. I'm sorry, I... Wake the I must have been here having a nightmare, Marie. Look, oh, if you a... dreamed that someone was looking at you and touching you and, and taking your neck in his hands and squeezing it, squeezing with all his might in order to strangle you, don't you think you would cry out too, huh? Oh, yes, sir, I'm sure well, I you should. you see, all right. Just tell the other servants I shall try to be more quiet. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Good night. Hey, look. Look, Marie, my, my water carafe. Your water carafe, monsieur? Yes, it, it was full I... I know it was full when I went to bed. Yes, sir, I filled it last night. Yes, and now it's empty. I haven't touched it, and and it's empty. Yes, sir. Somebody has drunk the, the water. Some, somebody has has been in his room. Somebody, something drank that water. I don't know who could have, sir, unless perhaps you yourself in your sleep. Yes, yes, I myself in my sleep, of course. That's it. I, I must have done it myself, Marie. Marie, tell him to pack my things. I'm going to Paris. I'm leaving the first thing in the morning. July 12th. Paris. <laughs> Paris, I, I must have lost my head during the last few weeks and... At home, my mental state bordered a madness for, for I had believed, yes, I, I had believed that, that an invisible being lived beneath my roof. <laughs> how stupid, how perfectly ridiculous it all seems now, yes. Twenty-four hours in Paris have completely restored my equilibrium, and, and tonight I, I'm going to dine at the house of my cousin, Madame Sablé, and, oh, Dr. Parent is going to be there. He's the famous specialist for nervous disorders, and, and I shall ask him, and I'm sure he, he can finally put my mind at rest about this, this silly hallucination. Well, Dr. Palantine, I've been wanting to ask you, have, have you ever known of a case where a person feels that he is, um, how shall I put it, and, and not entirely in, in command of his soul? It is curious that you should ask me that. Why is it curious? Because now, only now, in 1889, yes. after all these years, we are on the verge of discovering one of the most important secrets of nature. What is that? Ever since man has thought, he has felt himself close to a mystery which has been impenetrable to his gross and imperfect senses. Yes. Whatever are you talking about, Dr. Parent? <laughs> Apparitions, my dear Madame Sablé. Invisible spirits. Oh, <laughs> you doctor. You're always being mysterious. Oh, not at all. For more than a century now... Men seem to have had a presentiment of something new. Yeah. Uh, Mesmer and some others have put us on an unexpected track, and we have arrived at really surprising results. Oh, you're just trying to frighten us. Not at all. If you think so, would you like me to try to send you to sleep, madame? It would be a novel experience. <laughs> if you can do it. <laughs> and if I can, it will answer your cousin's questions. Yes, it certainly would. Now, madame, if you would just sit in this easy chair. So, yeah. now you must let your mind go completely blank, and look fixedly into my eyes. Yes, that's right. Now, you are going to sleep. To sleep. You're going to sleep. 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 You see, her eyes are becoming heavy. Her mouth is twitching. Yes, sleep. You have nothing but... Doctor, I don't like this. Mind. It frightens me. Sleep. 
sleep. Here, now she is asleep. An easy subject, I must say. Now, if you will stand directly behind her chair, I will proceed with the experiment. Now, Hmm. I hand her an ordinary pasteboard visiting card. So. Now, Madame Sable, you hold in your hand a looking glass. Yes. I'm holding a looking glass. What do you see in it? I see my cousin standing behind my chair. Captain, what is he doing? He is twisting his ear. But, Doctor, she cannot see me behind her by, by looking at a piece of cardboard. No, of course she can't. She sees you through her mind. Or someone's mind. This troubles you, doesn't it? Yes, it, it troubles me. But it answers your question. No. No, it does not. That's common knowledge, Doctor. It's an axiom that that human beings can be dominated by human beings. But, but what if a human being is is dominated by something, by, by something else, I mean, something not human? What then, Doctor? August 6th. I'm back at home. Yes, now I know it's useless to struggle. Useless. Somebody possesses my soul and, and dominates it. Somebody orders all my acts, all my thoughts. I'm, I'm nothing except his slave and a terrified spectator of all I do. Yes, but, but who is he, this, this invisible being that, that rules me, this, this unknowable spirit, this, this rover of a supernatural race, he, he must have a name. I, I know he has. A, I feel it. I, I can feel it. And, oh, someday, someday it will come to me. Oh, if, if I only could leave my house and go away and escape and, and never, never return. But, but it's impossible. This, this being I cannot call by name, he, he will not let me. I'm helpless. I, What can I do? What can I do? back to de Maupassant's terrifying story of a man obsessed by the idea that he is dominated by an invisible being. Fear is ruining his life. The suspicion that he is no longer master of his own actions, even of his own soul, is rapidly becoming a certainty. It's only two o'clock, and the whole night is before me. Oh, how, how still it is. And the stars, how bright they are. Who inhabits those faraway regions, and and what do they know that we do not know? Will not one of them someday appear on our earth to conquer it? We are so weak, so so defenseless, and... What was that? I 
heard the rustle of paper. Yet there's no wind. Absolutely no wind. There. It's that book, yes. The, the one on the table under the lamp. It's incredible. The, the page has turned. The, the page lifted itself up and fell down upon the others as if a finger had turned it over. My armchair appears empty, but, but no, it isn't. No, no, he's there. I know he is, sitting in my place. He's reading. I can't stand it any longer. I'll, I'll grasp him and... He, he ran away before I could reach him. He, he ran away and, and the window closed after him. <laughs> He's afraid of me. He's afraid of me. <laughs> what, what do you call yourself, you, you evil shade? Whatever it is, whatever it is, someday, someday I'll catch you and, and crush you. Here, come in here. What? What? We heard the noise and we wondered. Another nightmare, monsieur. No, it's not a nightmare. I, I was awake. Tell me. Tell me, Marie. Do you believe in, in invisible things? Invisible? Yes, invisible beings that, that dominate you. Well, uh, I read an article about that an in article? the paper today. What did it say? That somewhere in Brazil, I think, Brazil. people are frightened, leaving their houses, Brazil. saying they're pursued by invisible beings which feed on their life while they're asleep. Yeah. Like vampires, you know. Marie, Marie, that, that is where he came from. Oh, monsieur. Don't you remember the, the day we saw that little tug pulling that, that big Brazilian schooner up the river? Yes. Remember, she she looked so white, all white, and and he, he was on board. Yes, he, he came from there where his race originated, and and he saw me, and, and he saw my white house, and... And he sprang from the ship. <laughs> no, no, I understand. Don't you? Don't you? No, monsieur, I don't. No, no, you couldn't. It's all right, Marie, go to bed. There's nothing wrong. Don't worry anymore. Go back to sleep. Go. How can I help but knowing it's obvious? Yes, the, the rule of man is over, and, and he has come. He has arrived. But, but what is his name? What do you call yourself? What's that? I, no, I know he's... He's shouting it out. Yes, yes, I listen. Huh? Hola. That's it, yes. Hola. Yes, the Hola. He, he haunts me. He, he is within me. He, he's becoming my soul. I, I shall kill him. There, monsieur. What? The iron shutters on the windows and door complete. All right. Well, why anybody wants half-inch iron shutters in their bedroom is more mm. than I can see. Well, at least it'll keep everything out. I don't want to keep things out. I want to keep something in. Hmm? 
Never mind, never mind. If you're finished, you take your tools and go. My housekeeper will pay you. Yes, monsieur. Good day, monsieur. Good day. Now I'm ready. Yes, tonight he'll come. But tonight I'm ready for him. I, I'm ready for him. He's here, yes. I, I feel it. At, at last, he's here, but... Oh, I don't want to alarm him. I, I'll casually close the iron shutter so... So casually as... As if I'm preparing for bed and... Now I'll start to close the iron doors. As if I'm shutting myself in for the night, but... But instead of shutting myself in, I'll... I'll shut myself out! Yes, yes, it's Donnie. He's inside. He, he cannot escape. Downstairs, downstairs, yes. As fast as I can run. Oh, good, good. The lamp is still burning. Oh, yes, fire. Fire, that'll dispose of him. Fire. Oh, See, the house is dry as tinder. Won't take long. See, the, the flames are reaching the ceiling already. Oh, I, I'd better get out before I burn myself up, too. Here, 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 here I, can, I can watch from here. How slow, how slow the house is burning. Don't you suppose? No. No, there, yes. A tongue of flame licking out on the top of the window. And another, and, and another. See it burn. My house, my, my beautiful house. And, oh, but it's, it's more beautiful. And it's now in flames because, because he's inside. And he'll burn too, yes, and, and I'll be free, free, free of the horror. Fire! 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 The house is on fire! Get some water, somebody! Yes, it's burning, it's burning. Oh, now the whole place is in flames. Nothing, nothing can stop it. That's Marie, the servants in the garret. They'll be killed. Here, stand back, all of you. The roof's going to cave in. Look. Oh, the poor oh, devils, we've got to get some help. Yeah. Get them out of there. It's lighting up the whole countryside. A monstrous, beautiful fuel fire. And he's burning, too. <laughs> My prisoner, that, that new being, that, that new master, the horror. Would never fear premature destruction. 
Only we fear it. All our human terror springs from that, and... Well, then, after man... What? The horror, yes. After us, who can die any day by any accident, comes he who can die only at his own proper hour, because he has touched the limits of his existence. No, he is not dead. Well, what can I do? What, what can I do? Oh, there's one thing I can do. I, I can destroy myself. Yes, yes, yes. I must destroy myself. I'm going to destroy, destroy myself. Destroy, yes. I, let me go. Yes, I, I know I'm Peter Lorre. I know, I know it's a story. I know it's by the Maupassant. Yes, I know it's Thursday night and we are on the air, but, but it's a horror that... Oh, I... I beg your pardon. I, I'm sorry I got so excited, but I... I warned you at the beginning. It's, it's a very uncomfortable story. Mr. Peter Lorre brings you Beyond Good and Evil by Ben Hecht with a special musical score composed and conducted by Paul Barron. Listen again next week at this same time when the makers of Camel Cigarettes present Mr. Peter Lorre in Mystery in the Air. Next week's play will be Beyond Good and Evil by Ben Heck. The artists supporting Mr. Lorre tonight were Henry Morgan as the voice of mystery, Peggy Weber as Marie, Lorene Tuttle as Madame Sable, Ken Christie as the doctor, Ben Wright as Dr. Parent, Howard Culver and Jack Edwards, Jr. This is Michael Roy in Hollywood wishing you a pleasant good night for Camel. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That was The Horla from Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that is the adaptation of the uh, short story, The Horla, which was written by... Guy de Maupassant. A French guy, and uh, I'm not even going to try to say his name. <laughs> de Maupassant. <laughs> de Maupassant. Well, if I can do it that way, then I'll do it. <laughs> So, there's lots to discuss here. I picked this episode for a number of reasons. First of all, we have discussed the Horla in the past on this show a couple of times. It was in the episode of The Shadow People. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fantasy. Hall of Fantasy. We've discussed it when we did the H.P. Lovecraft show. Uh, that much horror. Yeah. And we discussed how Lovecraft loved that story, the Horlot. Is it, it, it was it, an influence on him. An influence on him, yes. So for that reason, I was like, oh, well, 
This is right up our alley. We've discussed it. It's got a Lovecraft reference, which is right up Tim's alley. But for Joshua, it's got Peter Laurie. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. this and we have never done mystery in the air. So before we delve into this, what is the history of Peter Laurie and that accent? Was that on purpose? I know he was from Hungary or something. He was from, uh, but. What is that accent? And here's what I'm talking about. Beautiful. Beautiful, yes. <laughs> but you've never heard anybody before or since sound like that unless they're doing an impression of Peter Laurie. It's not something where you say, oh, that's a Spanish accent. Mm-hmm. That's not a Southern accent. Mm-hmm. That's not an Eastern European accent. That's Peter Laurie. <laughs> no one has ever sounded like that. Is that something he invented and does on purpose, or is that how he talked? I think that's how he talked, and then he became known for it and exaggerated that voice because that was his bread and butter then. I am not a linguist. Maybe someone else can write in and tell us more about Peter Laurie's voice, but I, I can't tell you anything about it other than I love it to death. And it's yes. an acquired taste. Some people are just turned off by it, but it is so idiosyncratic. For all the reasons you just described, I find it just compelling and simultaneously really effective, yet still hilarious <laughs> so, right. like, it, but, but it doesn't ruin the source material for me right i'm astounded by the fact that in the history of man and the bazillions of people that have been on the planet that he is the only one that sounds like that, that there could so be people crazy. in some obscure nope. town who sounds like peter laurie okay, some tiny town in is, texas okay. he's like works if at the dmv and he's like <laughs> here's your registration papers <laughs> We don't know uh, that, Eric. If there is a town in Europe somewhere where everybody has that accent, please tell me so I can yeah. book my flight Lorraine, tomorrow. Yeah. Go see production of Mousetrap. <laughs> Stella! 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's it's astounding that I n- never really thought about it until I was listening. It's like God, this guy is he's Peter Laurie. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. And I don't know where he's from. He's I read it and I forgot to write it down. But he is from some Eastern European, some country. generic Eastern yeah. European country, Laurieville, Generica, Latvia. Yeah. <laughs> Escape, Doctor Doom. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta push your glasses up and say that. Yeah, we have to beat you up after the podcast again. (laughs) All right, let's talk about mystery in the air. This was one of my favorite episodes in college. My girlfriend and a couple friends in college were big old time radio fans. I think I've discussed this on the podcast, but we Mm -hmm. traded these episodes back and forth. And the Horla specifically just became our shorthand for any Peter Laurie impression we wanted to do. It was always like, there's an invisible creature dominating my soul. And that was like (laughs) your sort of go-to line to get your Peter Laurie voice down was from the Horla. Right. I love that it was really clear this was recorded live. You could hear the audience clapping. Okay, I didn't like that. It was so weird to have this guy in the throes of madness and as, oh my God, I'm going insane or whatever the line is. And then everybody... <laughs> I love it. It's so, it's so not what you're used to. You're used to the comedy live audience, yes. right? And I mean, it wasn't during the intense moments. It was when they cut away. Yeah, it was still... Um, so dis- you heard a little bit. I loved it's it. It distracting. I didn't know it was live until all of a sudden he's going to the break and then it was like yeah you're going crazy like for half a second no millisecond i went wow there's a lot of people in this house (laughs) (laughs) well then i have to ask if you like the fourth wall breaking end of this story all right so we'll jump to that i will read you my note um the breaking at the end the meta moment Mm -hmm. and this is what i wrote the jury's out Mm. i 
went back and forth and decided, because I knew this was going to get brought up, and what's your opinion on that? And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to listen to Joshua and Tim and see what they think first, because I am not 100% sure. I will say that my first reaction was, no, don't do that. Well, let me beat you about the head and shoulders with my thoughts. (laughs) One reason it worked for me is because it's not the actual climax of the story. For the radio adaptation, at least, we have the beautiful moment when he's burned down his house and Laurie is screaming, the roof is caving in, the roof is caving in, Mm -hmm. and it goes to complete silence after that moment. For the radio, it's always uncomfortable when it goes to complete silence and you think, oh, maybe something cut out. Then the theremin kicks in, Mm -hmm. which is awesome, (laughs) and then Laurie going, it's over. Mm -hmm. And that right there is just a beautiful moment. The silent beat at the end of the fire is gorgeous mm-hmm. it's unnerving like are mm-hmm. we still on the air yep. i get what you're saying okay i'm gonna sidetrack to talk about the theremin at the top of the show they introduced the theremin as representing the horla because there's all this pretty music he's watching the ships go by mm-hmm. on the seine and he's loving his house which by the end he's burning down but he's talking at the top about how much he loves that house and he sees the ship from brazil mm-hmm. and then the theremin kicks in and he goes I felt sick the next day. So to me, I go, Theremin, Horla. And so what's extra cool about that moment is that um, we get the silence, and the Theremin comes back, and that to me says, you didn't kill the Horla. The Theremin is the Horla music. Right. And so part of me wonders, and I don't know enough about the attitudes towards suicide in 1947, but this is a very faithful adaptation of Horla. And at the end of the story, the narrator commits suicide. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering... If in 1947, they did not want to end their story with the protagonist killing himself. Because he says, nothing's left but to destroy myself. Instead of it ending on that note, he gets a laugh by doing the Peter Lorre crazy thing. And so you kind of get to have the authentic ending, but also get out of it by making a wink, wink, nod, nod. But he didn't really kill himself. This is just a radio show, and this is just Peter Lorre, and it's Thursday night. So you think there was added to save the audience from the horror of listening to a man kill himself. Yes. Uh, I couldn't think of a lot of radio shows. Did anything end with someone killing themselves? That might have been kind of a taboo. Mysterious Traveler didn't have any uh, qualms about uh, killing an 11-year-old girl. It's not suicide. No, but that's still hard to listen to. From a Catholic point of view, it's better to murder a little girl (laughs) than to let her commit suicide. What uh, What was the episode of that? Good Die Young. Good Die Young. Thank you. Tim? I loved it. it. It was, again, one of these things that, because it took me by surprise, because it, it sort of kicked me up my feet. Yeah. You are uh, familiar with the Horla, of course, and and Joshua brought it up. I, it, it seems to be very true to the original story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes so true to it in a condensed way that there's a couple off beats. Like, uh, there's a moment where Peter Lorre wakes up and goes, like, somebody drink my water! And it seems really weird in this version. Like, okay, calm down. Somebody drank your water. Um, but in the or- the original short story has this very detailed, prolonged thing where he keeps waking up in the morning and the, the water by gone. his bed is gone. And he tries to figure it out. He goes so far as to, like, wrap the containers in uh, white muslin and put pencil lead on his mouth and mustache to figure out if he's doing it himself when he's sleepwalking. So when he wakes up, he would see the pencil marks. And so... It seems less absurd in the story. It seems obsessive and to show how crazy he's I'm going. I'm glad you told but me But here, that. it's just this odd item. Like, <laughs> And also, who drank my water? You're fired! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you told me that because it's an innocuous thing that happened to make you go, 
oh, I'm obviously mm-hmm. got a demon living inside yeah. me. Um, Mystery in the Air, by the way, uh, you brought up the music and <laughs> in, in, what? Just <laughs> always makes me think of a smell. Mystery in the Air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, is that, is that some mystery in the air? <laughs> Yeah, that's me. Uh, <laughs> it's no mystery. That will be what it's called in my house from now on. <laughs> uh, you brought up the music and the theremin and all that. I, the music for Mystery in the Air is really dramatic, man. That Super is dramatic. They dramatic. are not going around. <laughs> right? That's an 800-piece orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the dramatic music. This is my first Mystery in the Air. Oh, wow. Now, do we know why this show didn't last or was it just Lori going, I'm going to do a handful of these and be done? I think, as I understand it, it was just, just a summer re- replacement. I think it was a summer replacement for Abbott and Costello, oddly yeah. enough. <laughs> Someone tuning but in to hear Abbott and Costello. <laughs> hugely successful, though, right? That I do not know. I would think it would have to be. Here's what I don't get. Like, here's radio. There's Peter Lori. Why wouldn't you pay him all the money he asked for to do a mm-hmm. show every week? Wouldn't the world be a better place for it. (laughs) I think it would be a huge, like, it's a no-brainer to me. There are more episodes than currently exist. I think there are three or four that are lost, including a a, a version of Leningen versus the Ants, which I would have loved to hear. Really? Um, Yeah. And a Telltale Heart, I think. Yes, I read that Telltale Heart is missing. Yeah. His performance in this, but almost always, but particularly in the Horla, it struck me... (laughs) The similarities between him and Gollum. <laughs> my precious, yeah. my precious. Yeah. Oh, yes, I'm going. It's, when he starts to go crazy, it, it felt very much like that. And yes, I just made a Lord of the Rings reference. Wow. Oh, now we got to beat up Tim and Eric. i got a lot of beating up to do after this show. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of lunch, buddy. I, I am shocked that I remembered that thing's name. One of my favorite moments from both the story and in this radio adaptation, though, is when the Horla is just trolling Peter Laurie when he's mm-hmm. sitting in his chair reading his book and he sees like the pages turning to me. I don't know why I find that just so like, yeah, I'm reading your book, Peter Laurie. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Look, turning the pages. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can Making you smell you- the mystery in the air, Peter Laurie? That's me too. <laughs> Is that bugging you? Is that bugging you? <laughs> yeah. Is that bugging you? Watch this. Yeah. Woo! Floating your glass yeah. around. Oh, and his rage in that moment. I mean, uh, Lori's yeah. almost choking on his rage as he delivers those lines. He's like, <laughs> he has those classic Peter Lori moments. He's talking like this, and then you know, and we talk about this before of how he gets to the end of a sentence and and then suddenly he's and just, he's just enraged, enraged, and, and then, then the next really quiet. Then, my water is missing. Who drank my water? Yeah. <laughs> It is gone. <laughs> so many and of those. And that poor maid, to be like Peter Laurie's maid, who was just like, I was and she's so nervous. And she was going to go up with the fire. There seems to be an implication, because he sees his servants in the house, when he goes, I forgot about the servants. Oh, well. <laughs> he, she doesn't die? Is that what you just said? She does die I feel die like in the it's fire. unclear. I thought, I interpreted it as he's nailed all yeah. the windows and doors shut, and those people die in that fire. Yes, oh. absolutely. Because one of my notes, the screaming and horror of the servant burning alive is, is, is it, really it's unclear. intense. Some of that screaming is supposed to be people who are attracted to the fire and who are all yelling out from the outside. The, the, the moth people? <laughs> the moth people. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I could see that joke form on Eric's face before he said it. <laughs> 
I loved that moment where he's just like, oh, the fire is burning, and he's mm-hmm. just enjoying it. And you yeah. can hear the horror of the townspeople and the screaming, and the the maid is in there, and, and he remains happy that it's happening. It's a very terrifying moment, and it leads to that silence. Yeah. And it's beautiful in the terrifying way. I thought that for sure he burned the uh, servants as well. No, no, this is this is my Eric moment. Right? <laughs> I wasn't. They listening. what? <laughs> Are they vampires? <laughs> Explain what happened to me. <laughs> Listeners, go back three weeks ago and listen to that podcast, <laughs> and you'll know why I deserve all of that. Well, uh, any other thoughts, gentlemen, on the Horla from Mystery in the Air? The main thing is it was an incredible performance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for as much as Peter Lorre gets thought of as kind of a one-note character, actor, there's a huge range. Mm-hmm. Just, yep. It's amazing. Yeah, his cheeriness at the beginning mm-hmm. is so real when mm-hmm. he's just watching the boats go by and talking to his maid and how much he loves his house. Mm-hmm. It is so genuine in that sort of tragic arc from I love my house to the roof is falling down. And, you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's really good. Well, voting-wise, I would say that I would recommend this to someone and say, yeah, you should listen to that. I would say that it definitely stands the test of time. Uh, I will give a a little caveat to this in the sense of, I think Joshua hit on it earlier, that there are some people that Peter Laurie is like, no, I can't listen to it. Mm -hmm. Like, if if you don't like Peter Laurie's accent and voice, if that (laughs) grates on you, I would not recommend the Horlon. But I would also say that it is a classic because of A... I think the short story is, <laughs> yep. and B, their adaptation is really good. I think it was written extremely well. So I give it thumbs up on everything. Yeah, uh, similar. Uh, I think it's a classic. I think I would love to hear some more uh, Mystery in the Air. <laughs> it was a really great production, great performance, great story. All right. Yeah, it is a personal classic for me. Again, I'm not objective on Peter Lorre at all. I love his performance, and to me this is a definitive Peter Lorre performance, not just in Mystery in the Air, but of his whole body of work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, with the understanding that some people might listen to it and go, this is just a weird guy screaming for 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And if that's your opinion, I can totally understand why it is. But for me, classic. Well, thanks again so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, Google us. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's some lazy stuff, right? <laughs> or you could just go straight to ghoulishdelights.com. Uh, there you'll find information about other episodes as well as our live performances because we perform live versions of classical radio scripts at the James J. Hill Center. Check us out. Yes, and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and write a review. Write a rant. Just a <laughs> full blown crazy rant review. As long as it's positive. <laughs> <laughs> Next week is our annual Valentine's Day wife episode, and this year's guest wife is mine. Shannon will be here, and her pick is Dark Journey from Suspense. Until then... Somebody has drunk the, the water. Somebody has, has been in his room. Somebody, something drank that water.